worketh for us. Everybody say that together. Working for us. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. It's the temporal versus the eternal. Uh, and I want to just preach, teach whatever the Lord has for a few moments tonight. A life to die for. A life to die for. Amen. Why don't we set our Bibles aside and ask the Lord to help us, to talk to us tonight, to prepare our hearts for the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done in this place, God. We love you. We're praying tonight, God, you would anoint us, God. You would use us. You would have your way in this place, God. Let your perfect will be done, oh God. In the precious name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated for a few moments. Amen. I'm looking for somebody to help preach with me tonight. Amen. Amen. The preacher. Amen. I've said it before and uh, it's worth repeating. Amen. I've, I've learned uh, that there is an, a dynamic that if you allow it to be at play in a church service, uh, it is uh, fruitful. It is a productive dynamic. And that dynamic is such a preaching with the preacher. Amen. Amen. The preacher shout hallelujah. The old time used to say, oh, glory, whatever it would be, whatever you feel, but you respond to the word of the Lord. And the reason that we talk about those things and how important it is to preach with the preacher and to uh, get involved with the preaching of the word of God is as the preaching is going forth, amen, the person, the man of God behind the pulpit is throwing out the word of the Lord to the people. And it, the, the responsibility at that point is upon the people uh, to throw it back to the preacher with an amen or a confirmation of what, they, what they're hearing, an, an agreement with what they're hearing. And that dynamic at play in the church service of the preacher throwing the seed of the word of God out to the congregation and the congregation throwing it back to the preacher and the preacher preaching it back to the congregation and the congregation throwing it back to the preacher. It's that, it's that back and forth activity, dynamic in a church service. And it's it's similar to uh, in a vehicle, a piston that's going back and forth. And it's, it's creating that motion, it's creating that activity. And eventually that begins to crank fast enough and you begin to have uh, combustion. You begin to have things take place, in, in it, whether it be a vehicle or whether it be a church service. And uh uh, as you as you grow older, and, and perhaps some of those uh, uh, have the opportunity, the privilege to be blessed uh, in marriage. Uh, there's in marriage, there's a back and forth activity, uh, and it is reproductive. I'll leave it at that. It is it produces something of fruit. It produces fruitfulness, uh, and, and it's a similar concept in preaching in, in the church service. When if the people will preach with the preacher. And they'll throw it back to the preacher. And the preacher will feed off the energy and throw it back to the people. Amen. There, there's something that takes place in reproduction to happen in a church. Amen. That's why you've probably been in many different services where you've heard the preacher preaching. And they get on fire and they're feeling the Holy Ghost. They're feeling anointing. The people of God are amen. And they're preaching. They're clapping. They're stomping on their feet. They're doing everything. And they're interacting. They're engaging with the preached word of God. And suddenly an altar call takes place. And there's somebody that is filled with the 
Jesus' name. And that's reproduction that takes place because people learn, I'm going to preach with the preacher. I'm going to throw it back. Amen. His way. I'm going to preach and I'm going to respond in faith. And God is going to produce the results. God is going to produce fruit in our church. Hallelujah. And it's so important that we remember. Amen. I'm going to preach with the preacher. I'm going to allow God to have his way. I'm going to allow God to produce something in my life. Amen. I want to see God produce fruit in my life. I want to see God produce fruit in your family. Fruit in my family. It is the will of God that this church be a fruitful church. And it is bearing forth fruit. Amen. It is bearing forth. Amen. Uh, the evidence of our faith. Amen. There is evidence of faith. Hallelujah. And I'm way off my scripture right now, but I want to relay that to you again tonight. Amen. That it's so important that we preach with the preacher and we engage with the word of the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter four. Amen. We read it just a moment ago uh, talking about our light affliction. Uh, And I would tell you that if you were dealing with something in your life, uh, Always to the person going through the struggle, going through the trial, going through the the temptation or whatever the battle may be. It's always a big thing. If a few days ago, uh, uh, I'm not going to embarrass her too much. My aunt was going through some some back trouble and she was uh, in bed most of the day. She was in a lot of pain and my heart went out to her and I prayed for her. And to her it was a big thing. And if she was to open up the scripture... Or I was told the scripture out the door to her room and say, you're a light affliction. You say, oh, Lord, a light affliction. This is heavy. This is heavy stuff. This is I'm going through it. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of uh, confusion, no doubt, when you're going through things. But the scripture, amen, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, amen, the apostle Paul begins to allude to some things. He says, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life Also of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. It is when we are dying out to the flesh. It is when we are crucifying the flesh. Amen. We're in a a period of time right now in our church that we're engaging in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it is dying out to the flesh. It is no doubt, amen, pushing aside the plate and telling the flesh, you're going to die today. You're going to be crucified with Christ. I'm not going to allow the flesh to dictate to me what I'm going to do. And it is bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. When you're fasting, when you're praying, you're bearing about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus. You're you're giving it to God. You're saying, I'm going to die out to my flesh. And the purpose for the dying out to the flesh, the purpose for oftentimes a trial is that through your life, the life of Jesus Christ might be made manifest to the world around you. They can look at your life and say, I know you're going through hell and even high water. Amen. But something in your life speaks to me about the power of God to sustain you in every trial, in every storm that you encounter in life. Amen. I see the power of God working for your good. Hallelujah. How many can testify to the fact that if it had not been for the trial, if it hadn't been for the storm, if it hadn't been for the doctor visits, if it hadn't been for the things that I went through in life, I would not be as close to God as I am today. Amen. And so I'm thankful. Amen. That I've got in my body the dying out of the flesh. That he might live, that he might reign in my life, that he might, 
His life might be made manifest in my body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Verse number 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Amen. Many times we have an affliction in our body or, or a situation that we're dealing with or storm that we're encountering and we're thinking, this thing is going to last forever. Man, I'm never going to come out of this storm. I'm never going to come out from this, this oppression, this thing that's covering over me, over my family, over my home. I'm never going to make it out. And we, we, uh, uh, we exaggerate, amen, the time frame of the storm in which we are dealing with. Amen. But I want to remind somebody today that it is truly but for a moment. Amen. It's not eternal. Amen. What you're dealing with today, amen, it is but for a moment. Amen. But it is working for you today a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. When you're going through things in life, when you're battling issues and struggles, amen, you've got to remember and I will allow this, amen, to work for me and not work against me, creating a bitter spirit, amen, creating a confused state of mind. But I will allow this sickness, I will allow this for my good. Hallelujah. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. That which is for a moment. That which is just temporary. Amen. If you allow it to work on your behalf, it will work for something that is far more exceeding and has much more substance. It is eternal and it is glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many times, amen, do you remember perhaps in your, your, your short life Amen. We're all young here today. Amen. Your short life. Remember something you went through and thinking, man, this is hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. And perhaps you maybe you like myself have reached a point where you just got overwhelmed with things. You thought, I just don't know if I can make it. And if you're not careful, you can walk away from God in that very moment right there. But if you allow it to work for your good, you'll say, God, I can't make it on my own. So God, I'm throwing myself again at the feet of Jesus. And God, you've got to move. God, I need you right now. And suddenly when you reach out to God, you feel the Holy Ghost begin to move in that place. You feel God begin to talk to you. You feel the brush of angels, wings, whatever it would be. And it's in that moment that you determine I'm not going to allow this to travel in my relationship with God, but I'm allowed to push me closer to Him. God, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Hallelujah. Well, we look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Amen. That's oftentimes where the problem begins. But we're looking at the things that are seen. And we're not looking at the things that are unseen. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands right now? Why don't we worship the Lord? Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. I have, and I'm sure many of you have fallen into the trap. Amen. All you see is just like I've seen sometimes my wife in a hospital bed, not knowing what's going on, what's going to happen. Is this ever going to get worked out? And in my carnal mind, amen, all I see is that my wife there in a hospital bed. But if I will allow this word to get into my heart today, just like I'm preaching for your life, amen, and we've got to get into the, amen, to such a place that we are looking at the unseen, amen, I'm watching the unseen hand of God who worked out a miracle for me. I'm looking at the unseen hand of God, amen, I'm used to look at the outward, the carnal, the temporary, and I'm going to fix my eyes on the unseen hand. What is that unseen hand doing in my life today? God, I want to fill my mind on the unseen hand of God as it curls up underneath me and holds me tight. Amen. When I don't know what's going on, amen, what I'm dealing with and why I'm facing what I'm facing, and I begin to get my eyes on the unseen hand, and I begin to allow that thing that's working on my face, amen, to work out for me a far more an eternal way of glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. One commentator said that there is a law that in order to have life, there must first be death. In order to have life, there must first be death. Jesus said, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, brother, no, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Nobody wants to be that corn of wheat into the ground dying. But we all want to be fruitful. We all want to see God move in our in and through our lives. And we want to be great for God. But none of us, if we're honest, want to go down to the ground and die. Say, God, my will must die. God, my personal ambitions have got to die. My dreams have got to die at the feet of Jesus, God. I know, Lord, that you're going to see me through. You're going to take care of me, God. And, and I've got to get my eyes on the unseen somehow, somewhere. And the only way you're going to see the unseen is when you do like the bishop's talking about a few moments ago and find a place to pray and say, God, all I see right now is the natural, the physical, the carnal. God, give me eyes to see what you're doing in my present circumstance. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to see that unseen man. Help me, Lord, to fix my eyes on what you're doing right now, Lord. I've been praying, God, save my family. I've been praying, God, give me a raise. I've been praying X, Y, and Z. I don't see it. I don't know when. I don't know where. I don't know how. But I want to tell you today, hit your knees in prayer and say, God, help me to put my faith in the unseen hand of God. Help me to know that you're working it out for my good. He's working it all out for my good. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Hallelujah. That law that is in order to have life, there must first be death. 
exemplified in the scripture, corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies. It abides alone. And some would say, and, and perhaps we have yet, I have yet to see, um, haven't experienced this yet, but I will very quickly. Some would say that it is also, this is also demonstrated in the birth of a child. Particularly in years gone by before modern medicine. As the mother would go into the very jaws of death to bring forth the new life. Amen. Very painful experience, no doubt, to say the least. And us men will never know exactly how it feels and all the pain that that entails. So we'll take, take the words of this commentator. Amen. It's going to the jaws of death sometimes. It's a painful experience, but in that pain is brought forth life is brought forth newness of life. And similarly, amen, to the 21 day of prayer and fasting chain that we're doing, we feel like, man, I'm dying. I haven't eaten since breakfast. I skipped lunch. I got a headache. And uh, surely this is not a lot of affliction. And we're, we're in it. Thinking, man, this pounding headache's got me down. But unless we die out to flesh and we die out to self. Sister Gina's not going to be fun fasting. Never is. I had an event earlier in the week telling my brother Paul, man, brother, this is not fun. I just want to eat so bad. I'm not, not that I'm that hungry. It's just that I just really want to eat. I just really want to eat right now. And when you're fasting, everything is just delicious. Man, I love fun. I, I love the menu, though. You're thinking all the I love lingua or whatever it would be that maybe, you know, repels, repels you. Uh, you're thinking, I, I, I love anchovies on pizza. What are you talking about? <clears throat> but you have to die out to the flesh. And as we die out to self, amen, as we encounter things and we say, I'm going to die out to flesh. Amen. There can be something new that is brought forth in our life. And oftentimes it's a newer walk with the Lord. It's, it's seeing uh, a backslider, uh, a, a backslider relative come back to the Lord. You're thinking, wow, all I had to do was fast and pray and put my flesh aside. And it brought forth some newness of life. Yes. Amen. But it will do exactly what the Bible says, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Amen. And that is why, amen, it's, uh, it's important, amen, during this time of fasting to push aside the plate and say, I'm going to die out to the flesh one more time. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to put it on my shoulder and I'm going to carry this thing and I'm going to do what I've got to do and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a life, uh, amen, that, I, that I'm going to die, amen, to, that I might live this life for Christ. It is a life to die for. The Apostle Paul evidently wished to express two ideas in as emphatic a manner as possible. In this scripture, our light affliction. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. First, that the affliction was light. And secondly, that it was momentary. It was soon passing away. Amen. It's important to remember, amen, even in the midst of your trial, even in the midst of your struggle or temptation, that this is temporary, Sister Dee. It's just temporary for a moment. Amen. But what I'm doing is going to reap a far more eternal 
eternal reward and God is going to provide for me something much more valuable if I can just endure, if I can just get through this, if I can allow it to take me further closer to God and make me sweeter and not bitter, amen, it will work for me a far more eternal weight of glory amen, his object, the object of the apostle Paul is to contrast this with the glory that awaited him as being heavy and as being also eternal. Amen. Make no mistake about it. It will work for you if you allow it to. Amen. It will work for you. It was in probably some of the the darkest days of my life. And I have not endured many of the things you have endured. But I have, in my own walk with God, I have encountered some dark nights where I didn't know what to do. Amen. But it was in those trials, it was in those storms for the team that I find, I found amen, God to be ever sweeter and I found God to be ever closer to my life it was in those moments of my life that I felt the hand of God upon my shoulder, I felt God walk into that room amen, I felt like I could reach out and touch him, that's how close he felt to me, but it wasn't on the high mountain top, it was amen, it was in the valley low it was in the darkest of nights when I didn't know what to do Amen. Or where to go or who to turn to. Amen. I found him to be sweeter. I found him to be closer than a brother. I found him to be an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It will work for you. Amen. Work it for us is another way of saying it will produce something. It will result in something. The effect of these afflictions is to produce eternal glory. It's to produce eternal glory. And this they do a few different ways. It's by their tendency to wean us from the world. Because we're having to say, I've got to stop doing this. I've got to give up on this trivial pursuit and this thing that I thought was so important and just say, God, take it all away. Take Take away the insignificant stuff. Take away the trivial stuff. Take away the the, temp, the things that I thought mattered. God, those don't matter. Amen. God, what really matters, God, is that I'm walking with you. God, that I'm right with you. God, that God, that I'm in pursuit of my relationship with God. And it, amen, if we'll allow it to work for us, it will wean us from the world. Amen. It will pull us away from the things of this world. Amen. That contaminate our heart and our mind. And the other thing that it will do for us if we will allow it to is to purify our heart by enabling us to break away from the sins that held us captive. Amen. If we will allow it to, God, purify my heart. Amen. When you're going through a trial, a struggle, a temptation, whatever it be, you're beginning to examine everything. You're beginning to say, God, what's in my heart? What's in my life? God, is there something in me that's not right before? You begin to take inventory. You begin to look inwardly. You begin to say, God, search me. God, cleanse me. God, I'm pulled away from the world, God. God, I'm I'm looking to you. I'm asking you to wash me. I'm asking you to cleanse me, to purify me. Purify my heart. Amen. The third thing that it does is by disposing us to look to God for consolation and support in our trials. Amen. Looking to God. God, as long as I can keep my eyes upon you. Perhaps you remember the story of of Peter. Walking on the water. Peter, as long as he kept his eyes upon the Lord, he could go through whatever storm he was 
that was around him. And, amen, these afflictions, whether we want to come to grips with it or not, are light afflictions in comparison and contrast to what God has in store for us. For eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those he loves. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Brother Tim, how much, however beautiful you think heaven is, you haven't begun to scratch the surface of how beautiful it really is. Brother Nathan, however awesome you thought heaven was, you're just scratching the surface. You haven't begun to imagine the beauty that God has in store for us. Amen. There's a scripture, I don't remember exactly, but it says if, we, if all we have in this life, if all we have in this life um, is just what we have right now, we are of all people most miserable. I didn't quote that exactly right. But the scripture is uh, letting us to know that if all you have is this life, you're most miserable. But the joy is that there's coming a better day. Amen. There's coming a re- an eternal reward. Amen. And that is heaven. Amen. We don't preach it all the time. Amen. But I want to tell you, there is really a heaven to gain tonight. And I want to remind somebody there's still a heaven. Amen. Where the streets are laid with gold. Amen. There's a pearly gates. Amen. There's a crystal clear sea. Amen. Where the land is a light. Amen. There's no more night. There's no more crying. There's no more weeping. There's no more pain. Amen. There's no more sorrow. I want to remind you today that there is a heaven out there. Amen. There's a heaven that God has prepared for his bride. Amen. And if I'm faithful, if I'm true to his word, and if I, amen, endure this lot of affliction, which is but for a moment, I'm going to experience a reward beyond the celestial sky. Hallelujah. There is a heaven. There is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to shun. Whatever it costs. Whatever it costs. Amen. It was in certain times of my life that I began to analyze. I'm a numbers guy, a counting degree, and we analyze. We think, what does this mean? How, how does this make sense? And we analyze everything. <clears throat> and I began to think in times of my life, well, if I just give up, because the pain is too great or the trial is too hard. If I throw in the towel, will the pain go away? Will the trials go away? Will the storms go away? That's the lion devil will tell. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll lay off. You got you have it made. I'll pull back. Right. Yeah. You think you know what? <clears throat> Even if the devil did pull back. And I walked away from God and didn't have no more pain in my life. I would be lost without God. And I'd rather be saved than lost. I'd rather, as one person said, I'd rather go limping into heaven than running into hell. I'd rather go to heaven with one arm and one leg, some crutches, than to walk healthy with all my digits, all my... Members into the flames of hell. Begin to analyze. Is it worth it if I walk away from God? Or do I have what it takes to just go through this and allow it to work for me? 
allowed to push me and to pull me away from things, to push me closer to God, purify me through the fire. This 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10 always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Who wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 10? Shout it out. The Apostle Paul. What did the Apostle Paul know about bearing in his body the dying? It's one thing, amen, to tell you about dying. It's another thing to experience. And while I have not walked my own life through the valley of the shadow of death, amen, we have the word of God that is our guide. Amen. We've, I've dealt with things, not by any measure, what the Apostle Paul dealt with. He said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What did Paul deal with? What's some of the things that Paul faced? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23-27 would let us to know that he had on his body 195 stripes. 195 stripes. Probably deep bruises, probably many broken bones. Because he was not just beat five times, 40 minus one. But he was also beaten three times with rods. The Apostle Paul was jumped, beat, left for dead. Three times beat with rods. You don't think the Apostle Paul thought the first time, man, hopefully that never happens again. All that happened maybe around the corner or a few days later, whatever the time frame was. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time, he says in this scripture, I was stoned. And that's not talking about stone like the hippies got stoned. That's talking about rocks being thrown his way. <laughs> Somebody threw a rock at me, Brother Josh. <laughs> I'd be throwing rocks back. I'd be running, I'd be hiding. But he was stoned. They, they stoned him. Three times. If, if, if I got people throwing stones at me, I'm thinking, man, is this worth it, Sister Lauren? Is this worth it, Brother Tim? I just got just beat up. I just got jumped because of my faith. Three times shipwrecked. I've been in a few car accidents, but I've never been shipwrecked. I remember one time, I don't mean to make light of the scripture, but I remember one time swimming or riding jet ski to Santa Barbara, having a great time, flying full throttle, hitting the waves, big air, and falling off. And I remember thinking, there are sharks in the water. Swim as fast as you can to jet ski. Get that calmer, get out of here. But being, being out there in the deep, in the sea, is 
It's fearful. It's very fearful. You think, man, there's shark fins that are popping up around me. They might eat me. He was shipwrecked three times. You don't think in that time of being shipwrecked, he thought, God, have you forgotten about me? You're shipwrecked, wondering, am I doing the will of God? Am I I doing the right thing, brother? I'm shipwrecked. And on top of that, for one day, one day and one night, 24-hour time period, he was lost at sea. Perhaps clinging to a wooden plank in the middle of the ocean. Wondering, what's going on? Is this worth it? I have, I have like doctorate degrees. I have education. I've said at the feet of Gamaliel. I'm an educated man. I, I'm from high society. And I've decided to live for God. Here I am clinging to wood in the middle of the ocean. And just about the moment he thinks, well, God knows what he's doing. Perhaps a big wave just <laughs> It's rough. This is rough. All the different things that could happen to your body, being shipwrecked, lost at sea. He was robbed by robbers, perhaps at knife's edge. He was betrayed by friends. His own countrymen, the Bible says, lied on him. He dealt with wilderness experiences many times. What's going on? A wilderness can be a very scary place where there's jackals and hyenas and wolves and think, man, the wilderness can feel like you're all alone. What's going on in my life? I'm not here all by myself. Apostle Paul didn't stop there. He talked about weariness and painfulness. Oftentimes just wore out, exhausted. Pain, wondering, God, surely you see me. Surely you know what I'm going through. But perhaps it was in some of those moments that the Apostle Paul went back to a time when God spoke to him. And God said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. And in that moment, perhaps in the wilderness in that painfulness and that weariness, I bet the Apostle Paul reached back and said, God, you told me that your grace would be sufficient for me. And God, I've got bruises. I've got stripes all over my body. I'm, I'm in pain. God, there's sores. There's scars everywhere. Uh, he even talked about in, in watchings. <clears throat> Say, what does that mean? In watchings often. You want to talk about loss of sleep? You want to talk about insomnia? The Apostle Paul dealt with that. Just can't sleep. Just awake. Exhausted. But can't sleep. Hungry and thirsty. In fastings often. 
And many commentators have, have described and said that those fastings he's referring to there is not talking about voluntary fasting. It's one thing to fast when you're trying to get closer to God, and it's another thing when you have to fast because you got no food. You're thinking, man, this is, I'm fasting. Praise the Lord. I'm fasting. I've been fasting for 20 days. I'm fasting. There's people like, wow, so spiritual. No, I'm just, I got no food. I'm fasting. That was the Apostle Paul sometimes. I'm fasting. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And the Bible says in verse 27, in cold and nakedness. Perhaps when he was robbed, they left him naked, cold, left him for dead. And in all of those things, in all of those things, he said, I'd rather glory in my infirmities than the powers of God. I'm going to choose to glory in my infirmities. You can tell me about your college degree. You can tell me about your education. You can tell me about your, your pedigree. You can tell me about all the preparations you've made. I'm going to tell you, I've been through some things, and God brought me through. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to glory to you anymore. Amen. In the, in the early part of the Apostle Paul's life, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. And he said, I'm the least of my brethren. And then when he got to the end of his life, he's saying, I'm the chiefest of sinners. He began to realize some things. What's the most important thing is I keep a right spirit. I stay humble before God. And I, and I recognize that without him, I can do nothing. And I'm going to glory in the trials, in the storms in my life. Amen. I have got me a testimony. That thing that I prayed for when I came to God. God, I want a testimony. Amen. I went through some storms. I went through some trials. And he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. And I know no matter what I'm going through, he walks beside me. Amen. And I'm going to glory in my infirmities. Amen. Let the, amen. The trial of your faith be more precious than that of gold. It's working for you today. Hallelujah. No matter if you've been beaten, if you've been, amen, if you've been stoned, if you've been shipwrecked, if you've been lost at sea, robbed, betrayed by people, go through wilderness, go through pain, go through hardship, amen, go through insomnia, go through hungriness, go through being thirsty, go through being cold and naked, amen, I'm going to glory in my infirmities, amen, because I know the God who told me His grace is sufficient for me, and I'm casting my cares upon Him, hallelujah, that others might live, amen, that the world around us might experience life, amen, somebody in this place has got to go down, the 
passage of the same epistle most gladly therefore will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me I remember as a young man hearing about the apostle Paul thinking wow what an incredible life what an incredible story if I could have a little bit of the apostle Paul's ministry I don't know. That's a lot to ask for. If I could have a little bit of for the Lee Stone King's ministry. He's gone through some stuff. If I could have a little bit of even Brother Nathaniel Haney, his ministry. He's gone through some stuff. Many, many a years gone through stuff. But I want God to use me. Yes. I want to be effective in my world. Yes. In 2 Corinthians 11, 28, as I close, it says, besides those things that are without, besides those things that are without, 
independently of all these outward things. That the Apostle Paul went down the list, mentioned all of them. He also had innumerable troubles and mental anguish. Besides those things that are without, which cometh upon me. That which cometh upon me daily. Amen. How many has been under the continual press of just life and business and going? The stresses of life. This insurrection of cases to be heard, solved, and determined relative to the doctrine, the discipline, the state, the persecution, and supply of all the churches. It wasn't just the outward stuff that the Apostle Paul dealt with, but there was some mental anguish. There was some deep worry as he wanted to care for the churches. He wanted to see the gospel spread. Without a doubt, the Apostle Paul is the most dominant writer in the New Testament. He's heavily invested in seeing the church go forward. God's given him a second chance. And he went through some afflictions, through some storms, through some trials. But he recognized early in the process, or perhaps in the middle of the process, that it's working out for my good. I don't have to understand all the whys, the hows, the whens. But I know the one that I serve is the Teresa. He's faithful. He'll see me through. And that death route called light afflictions will work for me. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Perhaps that's why the Apostle Paul said for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I live, I'm going to do more for Christ. If I die in this trouble, in this trial, in this storm, I got heaven. It's all good. I've just been lifted out of this, this, this world. If we could stand, amen, as we close. talking about a life to die for. And as we die out to this flesh is when we really experience life and the world around us can experience life. The story is told of the worm-like figure, animal, insect called the caterpillar. We've all heard about the caterpillar. Probably stepped on a time or two poured salt in his wounds, whatever thing you did as a child. God forgive us. The story of the caterpillar, if that caterpillar will spin a web around himself and die, it will emerge, it will be reborn as a beautiful butterfly. But if that caterpillar decides, I'm just, that's just too much work. I'm not doing that. I know everybody else is wrapping themselves in their web and they think that's cool. I'm not doing that. That caterpillar will never know the beauty of life. Will never know what it is to ascend to the heights 
beyond its based life. And so I go back to the scripture. Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abides alone. And it's so important that as a church we get this tonight. If we will make it a point in our lives, say, God, I'm going to choose to die out to this flesh. I'm going to turn off the television. I'm going to take it out of my home. I'm going to stop all these other engagements in life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to push aside the plate. I'm going to die out to my flesh. I'm going to forego going out having fun. And I'm going to stand and I'm going to pray. I'm going to die out to some flesh. If we'll do that, this church will have its greatest revival. Because this is a church that's dead to self and alive in Christ. And you may encounter some things in life and you think, man, this is hard. But God is allowing some things to happen to our lives to draw us nearer to Him. Right where you are, let's lift our hands and let's talk with the Lord as we close. God, we love you tonight. We praise your name. I pray, God, you would talk to every heart and every life here tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that you would put this word down deep in our hearts and our souls tonight, Lord. I pray.